We have history from coast to coast this week. We have drafts and we have announcements. We have it all this week on the Indie Bar Report podcast. We're back again. Episode number 161 of the Indie Bar Report podcast. I'm Nick. He's Will. We have a bunch of news today and our leadoff story has been changed. See, we were going to open with the Pioneer League draft, but the fine people in Staten Island decided we're going to drop more important news that's going to preempt the Pioneer League draft. It's going to preempt who High Point invited to training camp. It's going to preempt all sorts of news out of Sioux City, as well as the Bracket Challenge winner, as well as possibly one other thing, but may get cut for time now. There's a lot happening now. Isn't it isn't it funny how that works sometimes, Nick? Like like these press releases never come out this early. Yeah. Uh, at nine oh eight in the morning is when this was sent. Very much uh, appreciate that. You know, sometimes the uh, the lead story can can get changed like that. And to be honest with you, on, on a, you know, on a week like this, another typical uh, season week, it, it's appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Like we have this week and next week, and then we get to preview season and actual discuss baseball season you know the actual fun parts of the season that that's what we wind up getting into so whenever you get something like what stan island did it's always appreciated and like you mentioned well normally these press releases they're more like late morning type thing right by when we'd already be recording and just about ramping up so it'd be oh should we talk about it right now should we just wait until next week and then you know we'll wait till next week and then by that point it's kind of lost uh, its luster, and half the people have forgotten about these releases. But with this one, they got in, like, right under the wire, like a college student submitting an essay at 11.58. You know, they just barely got it in before the uh, submission box locked. So, happy to have that, certainly, but it is, uh, it is a welcome surprise. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know... I guess we should get into what that news actually is after teasing it for for three minutes. Uh, I suppose, but, yeah. I know, but uh, the the Fairy Hawks have signed Kelsey Whitmore. I would say pitcher, position player. From what I can tell, at least, kind of seems like she does it all. Yeah, uh, that, I know. The social media announcement said that she was more of a utility player. I think that's how they listed her. So she'll right. kind of move around. So, uh, right. I'm not sure if their plan is to be mostly to the field or mostly to the mound, but yeah, she can kind of do a little bit of everything. Right. So Kelsey Whitmore, 23 year old, uh, obviously female, if you couldn't tell at this point, uh, signed with the Fairy Hawks. Uh, so the second person to sign, uh, second female to sign a contract with an Atlantic League team this season. Uh, however, she also she put, she has experience, plenty of experience. Playing baseball, she's played for uh, the the U.S. the U.S. national team, the U.S. Uh, national women's baseball team. Uh, she's got some time in the Pacific Association uh, as well. So uh, she's won a silver medal. She's won a gold medal. Uh, she's got a, a ton of uh, uh, quite the resume. She can pitch. She can hit. She's uh, attending the invite only tryout uh, that will be happening the day that you hear this. Uh, if you if you listen to it on Saturday, uh, so I I don't believe she is officially on the team yet. Is how I'm reading this, 
Uh, she's getting a, she's going to their invite only tryout, and then she also getting uh, a spring training invite to see if she could make the uh, the opening day roster. So that, that that's what I'm taking from it. I think it's a, uh, it's just to just to kind of the spring training invite to see if she's good enough to make the roster. But certainly some exciting news out of Staten Island. It certainly is, and I'm not sure if she's signed or not. Like you said, well, I I want to say she is because, like I said, I just checked it, and just going up uh, about two two hours ago was when uh, they put up the social media graphic, and it lists her as signed. You know, we're gonna go by just an invite to the camp, like is mentioned in the press release, the the block that you you mentioned there, but. It, it could very well be that, but the team, I think, has listed her as signed. So that part is a little confusing. So I don't quite know if, uh, if it's cause dry as she's already on the team or not quite. Either way, it is certainly a, a game changer in that we saw earlier Lexington had, uh, had added in, in Hopkins. And that was obviously something huge. It was the, I believe the first woman drafted by a professional baseball team in some time or, or at all period. So we already saw some monumental change on that front. But in this regard now, if we actually look like we're going to have someone that is going to be playing in actual games as opposed to being more of a bullpen catcher. And so I don't quite know what kind of baseball player she is. I don't know how good of a baseball player she is, but she's clearly good enough to be on the team. And it looks like, because I just wanted to quickly kind of pull up the baseball reference page, and she does have 17 professional games played in the Pacific Association with Sonoma. Uh, I There's not too much to go off of here. Only like 26 at-bats and uh, a couple of a couple of three innings pitch there. So it's hard to say how she's going to do, how long she'll stick around for. But even still, at 23 to be on this team is impressive already to just uh, be able to kind of do a bit of both is impressive and all in all it is certainly a first to see uh, a woman play in a professional game like this and on a high level like this too that's something that I don't want to lose in it either the Atlantic League is a high level league so this isn't just you know like the the Pecos League doing it or something where it's like okay it is what it is this is like a genuine probably last step before you get into affiliated ball and when you get picked up from here you're not really going into a, an a ball or high a ball you're going into a double a ball and i think we've kind of consistently said the atlantic league and trending more now also with the american association these are kind of like double a plus leagues they're not quite triple a quality although they could probably take on like a couple lower tier triple a teams but they could very well hang with most, if not all, double A teams. So, you know, this is a is really a test on that front here. And I also have to imagine they genuinely expect her to play. That this isn't some sort of publicity stunt or anything like that, because every roster spot means a lot. It's a high quality league. We expect something out of you. So it is, from a historic standpoint, it's important. From a representation standpoint, it's important. But it's also very interesting to see the utilization of uh of Whitmore as a player too yeah the the utilization is going to be very interesting uh because of course you mentioned the Atlantic League is an extremely high is extremely high level of baseball for anybody 
uh, for anybody. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter where you come from, how old you are. I mean, to be honest, like having a 23 year old in the Atlantic league to begin with, like throw all like genders and sexes out the window. A 23 year old in the Atlantic league is very young. Oh yeah. Uh, it's extremely and, impressive. Uh, right. So that that's like insinuating you're, you're right out of college, which is not exactly the case for Whitmore because she took a bit of a different path with team USA, but uh, on a general standpoint, um, a uh, 23 year old in the Atlantic League is uh, is is tough. It's it's uh, it's tough. Um, however, it seems like seems like she can play. Uh, she's going she's going to get a chance. Uh, that that's the one thing I would like to see cleared up because that that's the one because reading the press release and that's and again the press release is kind of buried in like the fourth paragraph. Oh, she's getting uh, an invite to spring training and to the uh, and to the invite only tryout. Uh, however, like the headline is signed. So I don't exactly know, uh, because is it something that Staten Island just kind of burying in the fourth or fifth paragraph of the, uh, uh, of the, of the press release? I'm not sure. So we'll, we'll have to see, uh, I guess what ends up happening at this trial. Does she get a roster spot? If she gets a roster spot, I'll tell you this right now, then she is, then She's not going to get a roster spot simply uh, for, for for publicity because at the end of the day, Atlantic League rosters, uh, there's so much turnover. Like at the end of the day, especially on the pitching end of things, you can't afford to just um, – like every roster spot means something. And it's really important because every roster spot, especially last year in the Atlantic League, was used. Uh, and you could argue probably overused uh, in terms of a lot of pitching. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how she how she's utilized. Again, as far as the Pacific Association, one, it was a long time ago. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking 2016, 2017, uh, before her Team USA experience uh, with women's baseball. So um, yeah, also, she was 18 or 19 too. I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, I mean she was still a teenager at that point. So if, playing- if you throw an 18 or 19 year old like like guy in the pacific association too they would struggle so like, yeah it just wasn't gonna go well for really anyone much yeah. to me so uh it'll be it'll be fascinating uh it'll it's not it's an interesting distinction that she's not uh a bullpen a bullpen catcher per se not to say that bullpen catchers in the atlantic league don't uh never get into games because they do especially if one of their catchers like a, a, an atlantic league catcher gets picked up you need a you need a backup catcher to suit up for a few days that's where you could see that happen. I know in Somerset that we've seen that happen before uh, as well. Uh, so yeah. this is this is definitely interesting. And the, of course, the the position of utility. What does that mean? We don't know yet. Uh, so a lot remains to be seen on this front. But certainly uh, on the surface, uh, it, it is an incredibly intriguing and, and interesting signing, and uh, one that's certain, then one that's sure to make a lot of headlines. And I can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah, absolutely, and. I will say I'm leaning towards calling this a signing. I think it's kind of the official there. I don't think it's just like, uh, oh, we're going to show up. I think she's just going to be there in addition uh, to already being on the team because I've seen elsewhere now that they've said it is a signing and that uh, she's going to join the team with the training camp. So I think it is an actual signing. So that means it's an actual roster position. So it is going to be very interesting to see, you know, how this goes as more than a bullpen catcher because like you you mentioned while bullpen catchers do get into Atlantic League games, that's not really a foreign concept at all. It also isn't really your stated purpose 
you can't really count on consistent playing time there. And so with being the first, like, actual consistent bit of playing time at an age and development level that you could realistically expect something from, it will be very interesting to see how she uh, how she does on this level, uh, certainly. And, you know, it, I'm very interested to see how it goes because, like we've been saying, the Atlantic League is such a high level that uh, it is uh, very curious to see how she's, how she's going to do. And, I mean, opening day is not that far away, so we'll see how that goes. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting because, as you mentioned, opening day is about three weeks away. Not even, I don't think. I think it's about two weeks away. Two and a half? Yeah, about two weeks, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Almost yeah. there. Exactly. We're closing the in on it. So it'll be very, very interesting to see. I guess on that note, we can kind of make the move and go now to the uh, next thing, which was originally going to be the lead-off topic of the day. But it got pushed back a little bit because of, obviously, the news dropped from this morning, and that's the Pioneer League draft. Now, I'm going to warn people in advance. Normally, when we talk about these drafts, we have a list of, you know, names. And also, by the way, uh, just to circle back to it, the Staten Island opening day is Thursday, April the 21st. So we were both wrong in a sense because it's actually less than two weeks. Wow. Yeah. It really creeps up on you, doesn't it? Exactly. It's, you know, not at all and then all at once happens exactly it's just the way it is but uh yeah so normally we go through these lists of prospects and whatnot and it'd be all well and good and you know how it is we talk about like two or three guys that we think are going to make impacts the pioneer league draft does not make it exactly easy to do that and by that i mean they tweeted out a link to the facebook live they did uh announcing all of it and it was extremely difficult to uh, actually hear the names they were announcing. So I've undoubtedly misspelled these players' names. That much is not even up for debate. But at least I wrote them out phonetically so I can pronounce them correctly or close to correctly. Uh, That is except for the first two names, you know, kind of the most important names. I couldn't understand the last names being pronounced. So... There's no listing of a draft order. There's no draft result list on any of the websites. I went and I checked even the team rosters to see if I can find the players that were drafted. Players with the same first name, so that way I'd have a heading on it. There was nothing like that. So I'm going to already apologize in advance. I can't give you the full full rundown here, but I didn't get a press release. I didn't get... An article, I didn't see anything that could help me with this. So we're going to kind of run through here and I'm going to list off the names that I can. And if there's anybody of note, we'll mention them. If uh, there's nobody of note, then we'll just kind of, you know, beat around the bush for a couple minutes and then we'll move on to the next thing. So that said, we had uh, the Glacier Range Ridge Riders or Ridge Rangers uh, as the first pick team obviously as an expansion team uh, they're going to get first dibs uh this is one of the names i couldn't get it was reed and then it was kind of like a last thing that was a bit mumbled or too low to hear and after trying about seven eight times i just kind of admitted defeat on it and the same thing was the case next up with the northern colorado owls another team that took the year off as they were moving from Orem, utah to northern colorado uh i believe it's 
technically Windsor, Colorado, but uh, regardless, they picked Chase, and again, I I tried. I even saw people commenting, congratulations, Chase, so I tried to snoop on their profile to see if I couldn't get a last name, and I, I really couldn't. Uh, I tried my best on those two, but I could not get last names on them, so congrats to Reed and Chase being one and two. I assume you two are the best players in the draft because you went one and two. Uh, up next was the Rocky Mountain Vibes. They took uh, Caleb Marquez or Marquez. Um, then the Great Falls Voyagers at four. Victor Macera. Then Billings Mustangs in five. They took Canton Stewart. Boise Hawks at six with Jeffrey Bratz. Uh, then Grand Junction Rockies in the seven hole. Tyler Broski, uh, then Ogden Rafters, 8th Fox Sabonis, which I think is a pretty cool name. Uh, then we have the Idaho Falls Shuckers with Hunter Hudson in the ninth hole. And then the Missoula Paddleheads with Sam Bruce in the 10. There was an additional second round and then additional picks after that until every team passes. That's how the Pioneer League draft works. Similar to a lot of other drafts, they did not broadcast those rounds and they did not announce picks for those rounds. So I don't know who else was picked in addition to it. Uh, and again, I did not get a press release. So that's all I got on the Pioneer League. Yeah, well, uh, obviously it was not easy uh, to come up with. <laughs> it, it, it was not easy to follow. But I mean, as far as as far as the Pioneer League draft look, we're talking about guys who are you would think probably roster fillers. Um, yeah, and guys who are just trying to fill in depth uh, on on probably like relievers or or guys that are just maybe just like right out of college. Um, so it's hard to say. It also doesn't help when we. Uh, I, I I really liked your line, Nick. Of uh, I'm going to assume you two are the best players in the draft because you went one and two. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, and when it's hard, to, it's also hard. Like when they don't really include like much information on the guys because guys with common names are essentially just. I don't know how you find it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's re- it's not. It's really hard to to find much, and it, I guess we'll have to see an actual gameplay. Uh, how how good these guys actually are. What ro- what what roles they can play on uh, on on Pioneer League teams this year. Um. So yeah, it, it, it's hard, but uh, you know, you look at you look at other drafts as well, like the like the Frontier League draft and and whatnot. Like you're not going to get a ton of like marquee guys out of out of the draft. I mean, most of the guys you'd be that the core guys you'd be looking to just simply sign or guys that maybe used to play an affiliated ball. Not really going to get that in a Pioneer League draft like this. So uh, I guess we'll just have to see uh, how any of them perform in actual gameplay, how many even make the roster, because just because you're drafted does not mean you're going to make the roster. They would have to, I assume you're probably uh, working in, in their own, in their own version of spring training uh, to try and to try and make the team. So I uh, we'll guess we'll see how many make the team and what kind of roles uh, they get because uh, yeah, it's especially when it was, and then the other rounds are not even broadcasted or put anywhere. It, it makes it tough on us, for sure. Yeah, it turns into a bit of a gong show. Uh, but yeah, I, I assume you're right. Well, I think it's one of those, they may have done the guaranteed contract move, which is, we guarantee you a contract, we didn't guarantee you a roster spot. So you'll have a contract for now. But, you know, people get cut very quickly in indie ball type of move. So it could very well be that. 
Plus, they partner with the Pecos League for this thing. Uh, so I don't, I don't quite know the quality of player we're getting out of this, but hey, it's it's bodies to have in camp. Maybe one of them does well, and I'm sure we'll wind up talking about at least one of these guys when we do the uh, Pioneer League preview because we decided for whatever reason to add the Pioneer League this year because people wanted it, I guess. And uh, yeah, we're going to be balancing four leagues this year because I guess we hate ourselves. I assume that's why we're doing that. Uh, but yeah, it's just it was such a uphill battle to get <clears throat> even that much information that uh, hopefully there's something of value there. And uh, who knows? Maybe if none of these guys stick, they could always go out for the mascot tryouts on uh, the 21st over in Great Falls. And they nice. want they want someone to play Orbit this year. And that's very important. Uh, arguably, it's more important than what's happening on the field. That mascot is uh, it's a very important position. It, it, it is a very important position. But you're telling... Wait, Nick, you're telling me people play mascots yes yeah yes it's i know it's a disturbing thing it's like finding out santa claus isn't real uh, wait so so people there there's actually people who play uh like mascots like the mascots just aren't like real people in themselves that's correct they're not anthropomorphized they are are you, uh, are you sure about that uh trust me i i'm sure I've seen, uh, and I know at least one person listening is going to enjoy this a little bit. I've seen Jack the Jackal do unseemly things, or supposedly had. I didn't witness it. Somebody else witnessed it and swears on their life that this happened. But, you know, I don't, I I couldn't imagine an honest Jack the Jackal would do that. It had to be a bad actor. So, at least on one count, there is someone in the suit. Oh, wait a second. I I tell you what. Yeah, I I thought I saw this a couple days ago. Okay. And now I just double checked and I did see it. So on the mascot front, and I think this is very very important. Okay. And, and I hate to I hate to d- divert attention. This isn't a diversion. This is important. It is related. Southern male and blue crabs. Yes. For the first time in franchise history, are looking for someone to play pinch. Oh my god. How do you how do you find how do you have a new pinch? Ah. <sighs> I don't know. They're, it looks like they're trying to find someone to fill in in a pinch, but nice. It is. I don't because it, it's not like it's just a job. It's it's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It's a passion. You know, it it's something else. You know, I just don't. I don't know how. And the worst part is, I don't think there's even any recorded pictures of pinch ever. You know. At least no. n- none that come out of Southern Maryland, at least. Maybe from third-party people or, or something pap- with those lines. The paparazzi? Yeah, the paparazzi would. Because I know nobody would illegally or ill-gotten or share ill-gotten pictures. I know nobody would ever do something as sinister as that. Oh, yeah. No but, way. But there's that. And I've had this argument. And I'm going to continue this onto a detour that's totally unrelated. I've had this debate before, and I want to know where you side on this. What's more important in football? A placeholder or a mascot? A what? Wait, what? I've had this debate before. I'm not going to tell you what side I was on, because I want to see your opinion and I could argue either side. But what's more important in football? A placeholder or a mascot? 
it's gotta gotta be a placeholder because it actually has an impact on the game. But something tells me because you're bringing it up, you're on the other side of it. See, I can argue both sides of this. Although I'm agreeing with you, that was the side I was on. I was saying a placeholder matters. He, like you said, he has an effect on the game, and it's not as easy as you would think to get no. a snap and put it down. It, there's an art to it. You know, you got to make sure the laces are a certain way, balls on the right angle, and that you have it held down. And you have to do it quickly because, you know, the kicker's winding up the kick. He's He's got his motion. If you mess with it and you time it wrong, then you got a major issue. Either this thing's going to be a terrible kick and it's going to be no good, or you're going to have to take it and scramble with it, which means that's another thing you should be able to do, which is kind of do something in desperation mode. I was overruled and said I was wrong, that a mascot is more important to the game for some reason that still eludes me to this day. I I don't see how I'm seeing... I, I, as much as I love mascots, and I want to, I want to argue to the contrary. I can't, I can't say they're they're more important than uh, an actual football player who has a major impact on the game. Exactly, but like that, it might it boggles my mind on every single level. It matters way more. Now you may say a mascot is more important to a school's tradition, more important to the enjoyment of the game. Absolutely, but as far as important in the context of playing and attempting to win the game, placeholder a hundred times out of a hundred, it's not even close. Nick, who who is argue, who argued that the, that a mascot is more important? Uh, it was some kid I knew a while back, like probably about ten or so years ago. We had this debate. You know, it's like one of those stupid debates you have as like a teenager and shit, where it's just like why. Why would you pick this dumb side? It makes no sense, type of thing. That that's just confusing. I, I don't get that at all. Neither do I. I'm still boggled by this to to this day. I hey, it, it is what it is now. It's water under the bridge, but it still kind of annoys me. Where I was like, how could you possibly say mask? I was genuinely upset that people were arguing in favor of a mask. I, I boggled my mind. I, I yeah, I don't get it. No, I, I, I don't. I For the life of me, I do not understand that argument. This is why I am the way I am. Because I had I fought the common sense way for way too long. And then eventually I just said, screw it. I'm steering into absurdity. And that's how this show really is in its genesis. That was the genesis of this show. It's just steering into absurdity. Because, let's be honest, the rules around here aren't real. The points don't matter. We're just kind of here existing and talking about mascots and Pioneer League drafts and soon and soon to be talking about invitations to High Points uh, training camp. I think that's a perfect segue. It is because you know what High Point has three former major leaguers going to their camp in Chase and Bradford, Johnny Barbato and uh, Brady Lyle. I think it's Lyle. Could be Lyle. Barbado? Come yeah. on, Nick. Look. Barbado. How the hell is that Barbado? It's no I. Bar- Johnny Barbado. It's no I. How can it be bait if there's no I? It's, it's a good common name. I don't think it's that common. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard outside of this baseball player. There, there is no way it's Barbado. It cannot be. In what? Li- <laughs> You have Bar Bat and then an O in his name. I'm, I'm just saying. Don't make me go on to YouTube and stop this show in the middle of it to look up the pronunciation of this guy's name. 
I'm I'm like 95% sure it's Barbado. All right, here we go. Now I'm going to YouTube. I'll admit it. I was wrong. It is Barbado, not Barbado, as much as it doesn't make sense. But hey, who am I to judge, right? So I, they added Jason Bradford, Johnny Barbado, and I'm going to assume it is Brady Lale because the end yes. part of his name is like Vale, only with an L instead of a V. Now, Bradford was with the Mets in Seattle. Barbado was with the Yankees, Tigers, and Pirates, and then Lale was with the Yankees, Mariners, and White Sox, because we got to get a little bit of everything in him. Uh, so they're all invited to camp on, I assume, a tryout, but let's be honest, they almost certainly are going to make this roster if they want to make this roster, and we are back to the age of high points, signing a bunch of high-quality baseball players, in addition to bringing back Jerry Downs, who for some reason is not in the Major League system, as well yeah. as, uh, I believe it was Leidendorf I saw, and one other guy they announced yesterday as well, but his name escapes me at the moment. So, already off the bat, high points doing a pretty good job at just adding some extra depth at the end there. Exactly, and one thing that high point usually, uh, the high point pitching, the high point bullpen uh, is usually loaded with former major leaguers. I mean, let's look at the reliever they had last year for a little bit, uh, Mr. David Robertson. If yeah. you're if you are an unlike, and if you're unlike Mr. Nick Firestone and boycotting the MLB for your stupid DH reasons, and actually watched baseball yesterday, you would see that David Robertson, the uh, a high who was at one point a high point reliever last year got the save in a one run game for the Cubs yesterday. So if we're we're talking about how how quality their bullpen usually is and the guys that they uh that that they tend to bring in, I mean Johnny Barbado at least last year, uh in double A he was pretty good uh in, in particular uh, four thirty five ERA in about seventy innings started for the most part. Uh, in the Amer in the American Association with Lincoln, did not last long. Was dominant in two starts. Uh, it was dominant in two starts there. So he will make the roster. Actually, uh, see, it's funny. I remember him more as a reliever, like you know, with the Yankees. I guess he's more into a starter now. So I, I know their phrasing is it like an invite to camp. However, it's more just high point loading up on pitching. They'll make the roster, uh, and it's a. Uh, it's it's a really good really good signing i think for them assuming it's a signing yeah ex major leaguers make rosters it's as simple as that uh even if it's solely for the purpose of saying look at the ex major leaguers we have to promote they make rosters they're also typically you know the better players they're going to be important whether it be off a bullpen starting lineup whatever it may be but overall High Point looks like they want to continue to do that thing where they're like a top three team in the league. And yep. it still boggles my mind that their best year in franchise history, the year they led the league overall in win-loss, is the year they missed the postseason. That, that still makes no sense to me. And again, I will die on this hill that it is absolutely the dumbest thing in the world the Atlantic League playoff structure and why it can't just Agreed. be like one wild card spot is given out to like some other purpose or that if you're the overall champion you win it all like you get a playoff it, it just it, I, I've been through this before there's better options but hey, it is what it is at this point so 
Yeah, it, it, it it's horrible. It, it's pretty horrible. Uh, and it, it, I can't stand the fact that High Point got screwed the way they did last year. Uh, maybe maybe it's a High Point Rockers, and maybe it's a Jamie Keefe revenge tour. We'll have to see. Hopefully, hopefully. I I know I shouldn't be rooting, and I should be objective here, but I would like to see you know on some level them at least get back to the postseason because they got screwed last year, plain and simple. But uh, on that note. We go to the last thing we have. It is some departures out of Sioux City from the past week. Uh, we got some, you know, important franchise figures, some a franchise legend, really, uh, all departing. And it seems like a good way to kind of get us to the end of the week here in that we're going to talk about Michael Lang retiring and Jose Sermo going to Japan, starting off with Lang because he's kind of the more Mr. Sioux City. Uh, I was kind of surprised to learn that he was a New Jersey guy. He's from New Jersey. He's a Rutgers grad, which I'm sure uh, someone on this show will appreciate. Yeah, there we go. And he spent eight of his nine professional seasons in Sioux City, 588 games, 680 hits, 462 runs, 114 on the doubles, 33 triples, 130 or 963 total bases, uh, and over 2,000 at bats and over 2,500 plate appearances. He was hit by a pitch 55 times. Uh, he leads the franchise in all of those records there. Also, the franchise record holder in war, because now the American Association gives us war, which is a very nice thing to have some of these advanced metrics. 88.66 war, in case anyone's keeping tabs on that. And he's also the seventh all-time man in the hits in the American Association's history. So a guy that was extremely important on the field for Sioux City. He's a guy that really is celebrated by that fan base. It's kind of an all-timer guy. Another guy that's kind of really an American Association legend that steps away from the game. He's like uh, Kurt Smith stepping away. That kind of an impact that and Smith's departure is going to have on the Salt Dogs. Lang's departure is going to have on the Explorers. And just you're seeing kind of a, a changing of the guard over. You're seeing a lot of these older guys kind of making their moves in and out. Uh, obviously, guys like Kevin McGowan are still around. Uh, they're kind of like the last of that kind of original guard that came through the American Association in the very beginning of it, the early days of it. And uh, now they're kind of filtering out and Ling's the most recent in that and it's a matter of time before his number winds up on the walls of Mercy Field out in Iowa there so it is a it is a major departure on that front so we'll talk about Ling before we go to the next guy on the list yeah absolutely I mean talk about a guy who's uh I I like the I like the 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 recognition of, of Mr. Sioux city. Cause that's really what he is. And, uh, yeah. j- just a guy who's, who's, uh, he's going to be certainly missed with, with that team. And, uh, He's definitely going to be missing in a lot of ways, right? Just more than just on the field. It's a guy that the fans know. Uh, the 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 fans really really have gotten to know over the years, and you know the the, and the records are the records are great. And uh, he's he's really done a, a terrific job like throughout his entire career in Sioux City, and uh, really establishing himself as a as a household name out there. And uh, it, it's it's going to be it's certainly a a, t- a tough hole to fill for sure um more than just more than on the field as well uh but 
yeah, it's going to be a tough hole to fill, but uh, certainly a long and decorated. And just congratulations to him on an outstanding career in South in Sioux City. Absolutely, it's going to be a hole that's going to be hard to replace. And uh, the one guy you thought maybe could step into that role, be kind of the new Lang, uh, he's also going to be leaving. Uh, Jose Sermo is going to be going off to Japan, but unlike an Adam Brett Walker who goes off to play MPB. Jose Sermo is going to play in the Baseball Challenge League. Uh, he is the Sioux City Explorers home run king for a single season, 29. That was last year. And he also is the franchise king. He set that last year at 64 home runs. I believe he, I saw if he had played the same amount as the previous record holder, he would have been on pace for 108 home runs, which would have put him really towards the very top of the American Association list, challenging for the one spot, if I'm not mistaken there. He's also the 2018 American Association MVP. That was over the course of three seasons in uh, Sioux City there as well. So a major loss from an on-the-field standpoint with Jose Cerno, the kind of heart and soul of that lineup of the batting order in Iowa there. It's gone now. And another guy who, like I said, he spent three seasons in Sioux City. You thought maybe, okay, I'll hang around for at least another two and he can kind of fill into that role that Lang had held. But now they're kind of out two guys like that. They're out two productive pieces in their lineup, especially in the case of Cerno. And uh, to be honest, I've never even heard of the Baseball Challenge League either. I'll tell you why I actually have heard of it. Okay. I believe, don't quote me on this, remember when Telvin Nash went to Japan? Yes. He did not go to the NPB. Uh, like, okay. of course, like Adam Brett Walker did. And first of all, just saw a, saw a video, I think about a week ago, of Adam Brett Walker hitting, hitting the RBI double off the wall. Love to see that. Absolutely. I. Um, uh, and so Nash didn't go to the NPB. He went to what is like the independent league uh, in Japan. And I believe that's what it was called. So, ah. so I'm pretty sure that, uh, that that's where he's headed. And I, I think they pay more out there. So that, that makes sense for him, especially a guy who's probably at this point, like, not as much looking for a, uh, a trip back trip. to affiliated baseball, just looking like, hey, where can I make my money? Like, can I make it in Taiwan or Mexico or uh, or, or whatnot? So uh, another another, however, uh, on the team level, another uh, another guy that has been that's going to be difficult to replace in that in that lineup. And Jose Sarmo, such a decorated career uh, in the American Association, played a little bit in the Atlantic League as well, uh, but. A guy who's who's just a stud, a, just an incredible power hitter. And I think I saw like somewhere on Twitter, like, "How has Jose Sermo been has not been signed, uh, not, not been signed yet?" Well, now we have our answer. Um, yeah. uh, and so, I, I really, I, I think this is the same league that Telvin Nash went to. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I, I think it, it is. would make sense. It certainly would make sense. But yeah, no, I know when they released him on, uh, and I saw the release that oh, they released Jose Sermo. I was like, wait, what? Why they do that? And then when yeah. it came out, they signed. I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot more sense now." Yeah, so. and the the only the bad part about that league though is you can't. It's pretty much impossible to find statistics. Like when I was trying to like frantically find stats from how Delvin Nash was doing in Japan, and just wasn't there. And anything that was about the league was not in anywhere close to English, so I could not read it. Oh, <laughs> so uh, sounds like someone needs to like, brush up on their Japanese. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just uh, you're slacking. Uh, just, 
It's I'm like... an American that's stuck in my ways. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but yeah, certainly best of luck to him. Maybe we see him back again at some point. You never know. Uh, yeah. But just a, an unbelievable career in Sioux, in Sioux City as well, and as well as indie ball. Yep, definitely a great great career on both counts for both players there. So it's yes. good to see that, and not to hijack the segment too much, but. I also just pulled up Amber at Walker's numbers because I was curious to see how he's doing in Japan. Through nine games, he is batting 278. Woo! On base of 278, so he's not really drawing any walks. And he has an OPS of uh, 611. Okay. Maybe we'll... Well, where this, come on, Adam. It's, it, it's gonna, he's going to turn into his power. We know what he can do. Exactly. We have yet to see a home run. He only has the one extra base hit. So, not great, but... You know, all in all, not terrible either. So I believe exactly See, like when, when you said Adam Brett Walker is hitting 278. I mean, uh, if you, in American Association terms, you know, if you're an American American Association fan, yeah. uh, if Adam Brett Walker is hitting 278, watch the hell out. Yeah. So he's still he's getting there. He really is. I I still have a lot of faith in this. I, I'm going to be curious. That may be our new thing this year. It's just and our weekly Adam Brett Walker update. He's still is raking. It, is that better than the Lancaster Team ERA check? It could be. It very or it could be just the new, the new one. It could be. I, I honestly don't know yet. We're gonna. It's it's the kind of thing that naturally happens throughout the year. True. So, on that note, we only do have one last little bit of cleanup thing to handle. Uh, if you'll remember, we did a bracket challenge at the very start of March Madness, and so I figured I might as well report the. Uh, the end results of this year. Uh, it was only a small group, only five, including myself. And I am proud and very happy to report that I, in fact, finished first through just sheer luck because I just threw together a bracket, totally forgot about it, and left it uh, out in the middle of nowhere there. And I was actually trailing going into the national championship game. I was down by 10 points to the I Hope KU Loses bracket. And uh, luckily for me, though, for whatever reason, I picked Kansas to win the national championship. And as those that are watching uh, saw, Kansas managed to defeat a double-digit halftime lead. The first time that the national champions had to come back from a double-digit lead uh, in that late in the game and win. So... Because of Kansas's stick to itness and the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's historic collapse, as that's the way I'm going to choose the view because I'm not going to acknowledge Saturday night because that never happened. And because of that kind of historic collapse, Kansas won the national championship. I won the bracket challenge. I hope KU loses earlier, is uh, going to finish second, and Ed K won or AK21, not 21, but 2-1, uh, will come in third. We won't mention uh, those that finish fourth and fifth because they're not on the podium. Only podium spots get mentioned. So that is how it winds up shaking out in the bracket challenge. Well, congrats to Nick, and uh, definitely something I should have joined until I totally forgot, and it was too late at that point. So my bad. 
however, I will say, given how, because my thing basically is mm. I only do one bracket. Not to oh. say I only enter one bracket pool, but I, I always, I don't have like a bracket one or bracket two or bracket three or upset bracket. Like, I don't do that. Oh. I do one, I do one bracket and I do it everywhere. So, uh, given how that bracket did this year, I would not have won the league. I would not have been on the, I, I would not have been on the podium either. So, uh, we're not going to talk about how my bracket did this year because it was really, really bad. Well, well, we'll leave it at that then because you, sir, sound like a bracket purist, a man of simple means when it comes to brackets. You could say that, yes. So, we'll leave it, we'll leave it there because there's no need to, to go any further, I don't think. So, at right. least on that front... Uh, we are done for this week. We don't have anything else left to add. And I'm surprised this show went as long as it did. I, I didn't think we were going to get to the nearly 50-minute mark. Uh, we are one week away from doing our preview show for the Atlantic League. That should be up on April the 23rd, about two days after opening day. The decision was meant to to put it on that date in particular, just because if you miss two days... Not too much about our predictions are really going to change over opening day in the second uh, the second day of the season, I guess. Uh, it's just not going to change all that much. And if you put it on the 16th, that means it's recorded on the 15th, which means we have about a week where there's going to be roster changes and roster movement. And at least two or three important points that we make on the year are going to be totally out of date. They'll make sense when we record them. But if you're listening to on like the 19th or the 20th, it's going to make very little sense because you're going to be like, you're talking about this guy, but he got cut two days ago. So to avoid that, we are just going to wait. We'll be up on the 23rd and then you'll be able to enjoy it then. So one more week of off-season shows and then we're right back into the actual season shows which really could not have come any sooner yeah no kidding i'm I, i'm ready for some baseball absolutely there especially because there's not like there's baseball on right now because we know major league baseball has decided to go the route of the heathen and put some sort of nonsense rule like a designated hitter you know that kind of a fake position into their game ruining it for all eternity so that. It's unfortunate. It really kills me that the Braves were the last genuine World Series champion. That kills me a little bit, but it is the way it is. So there's nothing much that can be done about that now, Ken's there. Uh, with that said, I suppose we should get to the plugs, which would be you can follow the show on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can follow the show on Instagram at IndieBallReport and at AOPB underscore news. You can follow the show Wherever you find podcasts, tune in, Stitcher, Podomatic, Amazon Music, which we got like 2,000 downloads this past week from Amazon Music. And I don't know where the hell it came from. I'm not going to question it. I just hope it happens again because it was pretty cool to see. And with that, there's other platforms as well, including Spotify, that you can download and listen to the show on. If you're able to rate and review, please do that as well. Uh, if you want everything in one convenient spot, however... The website is your place, IndieBallReport.com, because there will be articles on that website. There will be show notes on that website. There will be uh, episodes on that website. There will be all sorts of things on that website. And so I recommend checking that out in your spare time. Uh, with that said, is there anything else left to add before we sign off for the week? Only thing I want to add, MLB is back, despite what Nick says. It's a great day, and I hope and hopefully it is, and hopefully the Red Sox 
can take the series from the Yankees. That's all I have to say. It's a heathen sport now, but yeah, the DH is just evil and awful on so many levels. But you know, hey, at least the at least now Major League Baseball will not distract me from focusing on this independent league baseball. That is a beautiful silver lining to all of this. And in true Mets fashion, they get good right when MLB violates one of the, the one unbreakable tenants I have. Of course, that happens because it's the Mets. But regardless of all that, I don't have too much to add. Uh, we have a national championship game in college hockey. It should be Minnesota State and Denver. So uh, those who dodge games lost. Uh, the rodent school lost. And that's very positive on that front. But really, I'm just grasping at straws. I don't really have much, if anything, to add. That that much said. So I guess with that, instead of just wasting time, we'll just sign off for the week. And uh, we'll end this one as we end all of them. Until next time, don't forget to play ball. I hate Michael K. more now. Why? Because he said Barbado. Because he said Barbado. Oh, wow. He pitched in the Liberation League, too. Oh, that's never a good sign for your career. Ooh. <laughs>